Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lift every voice and sing till earth and It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. I tell you, it's anybody but New England day. That's what it is. Anyone but New England. That's who I'm rooting for. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, my team's not in the game uh, this Sunday. So just anyone, I'll take anyone but New England. Any of that deflate gate. What do you think? Screw England. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So we have in the studio today, we have Breon King. She's the Austin school teacher uh, that was literally dragged out of her vehicle by an Austin police officer. And this story sparked uh, an HBO special traffic stop. And so Breon's in the studio today. And, you know, we're going to get right to it because we have a lot to cover. And she, there's a lot of details in there that we want to get to. So let me welcome to the show, uh, Breon King. Welcome to Come and Talk It. Hello. Thank you. Absolutely. So tell us a, a little bit about yourself and, you know, where did you grow up? Okay. So, um, of course, my name is Breon King and I grew up in East Austin, Texas. Um, I actually went to L.L. Campbell Elementary. Um, by 2000, we moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was with my mom and my uh, two siblings and everything like that. And then we came back in 2000. No, not 2016. 2006, there was. 2006, and after my mother passed away, to live with my grandmother and my aunt. Okay, and uh, where did you attend, attend college? So I went to Houston Tillotson University for my undergraduate oh, degree. Oh, nice. And, um, for my Yes. <laughs> Rams. And I went to uh, uh, Texas State University for my master's. Okay, and you say you have siblings. Yes, sir. I have two siblings. I have an older sister and a younger sister. Um, so I have the middle child syndrome. Oh. <laughs> I am the protector. And um, uh, and then I have a niece and a nephew. And then, of course, I have several people that I claim as siblings that are not necessarily biological. I have three of those, three brothers and four sisters. Okay. And how long uh, have you been a teacher? I have been working with kids since 2009, so I've been working with kids for at least 10 years, and I've been an educator since 2013, so it's been six years. Oh, wow. And and you were you with the Austin Independent School District? Uh, no, sir. I have been working with charter schools. I've been working within the charter uh, 
community, but I used to volunteer within the ISD. Nice, nice. How is that working with kids? Honestly, it's amazing. Is it? <laughs> it really is. I feel like it is an honor to actually be able to work with kids because what you don't know and understand is they are a future, but they also teach you so much more and they are a reflection of you. So I've been I've been blessed with the opportunity to actually grow with a lot of my kids and see some of my kids grow. Some of my one of my kids called me the other day and was like, Miss King, can I have a review? Could you could you give me a review? I need a letter of recommendation. And I said, Okay, baby, are you still a star student? She said, Yes, ma'am. I said, Okay, well then I can get you a review. So um I've I've honestly been blessed to see a lot of my kids grow up. <laughs> nice. And so uh you can actually you learn something from them. Yes. You learn you literally learn Every single day they take and they they make your mind think differently. They wow. take and they make your actions think differently because you sit there and they will be like, oh, well, Miss King, you did do, 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 do. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, very good. You know, and especially since, you know, I was, uh, I did math and science. I was mostly emphasis in math and science. Um my kids used to think, um, I always tell them there's more than one way to actually solve a problem. So what they would do is they would come in and they would teach me different ways that they see the problems. I teach them how to see patterns and they would see patterns that I couldn't see or, you know, other people didn't see. And so they got to they got to teach me and then I allowed them to be able to teach other people, too. And it's it's honestly it's a beautiful honoring. So this this is like a, it, being a teacher is like a call it, I think. You know, it's it's something that you you have to be born with it to be able to, you know, to want to nurture, you know, those young minds. It definitely is a calling. People say you have to have more patience. I felt like I had a lot of patience, but people tell me all the time that they couldn't do what I do. And I was just like, well, why not? You know, why wouldn't you want to take care of these kids? These are, <laughs> they're amazing. You know, and you get to just take and you get to mold them and you get to shape them into like the positive being. You can teach them and you get to show them that they can be any and everything that they desire to be. Wow. And that's beautiful. Oh, man, that's amazing. Uh, so tell us uh, a little bit more about, because uh, you dance as well. Yes. You're a dancer. Yes, sir. I am. Um, we actually are in our uh, second real season, our full season. Um, I'm with Ashe Arts uh, Collective, Ashe Arts Austin Collective. And I've had the opportunity to actually dance with her for, I think, a good three, three to four, maybe going uh, three, four, three to four years and um, my instructor, she's an amazing instructor because she um, she actually started with healing through movement within the community and was trying to like get the community in there to teach them how trauma within their lives is still within their body. So she's also like um, she's also a therapist. Um, oh wow! And <laughs> she's working on her yoga. So she's working on her yoga instruct uh, instructing license and everything like that. So. Working with her has been the ultimate release of a lot of stuff. You know, release of stress, release of trauma, either past or present. I actually was working with her, and I had a show with her after the incident. Mm -hmm. And she could see and she can tell in my body that there was something wrong. Mm. Mm. So she, um, she blessed me to be able to work through a lot of some of the issues that I was dealing with at the time and so that yeah that like you said that's a good stress reliever because that's a lot it's a lot to deal with um because before we get to that because i want to get to that after the break 
you know, when something traumatic happens to you, you know, it takes a lot. You have to rally around like your family, uh, friends, yes. and then, you know, I can only imagine, you know, the students, you know, when, because you'd be surprised. You know, these kids see everything. They see, they hear, they listen to everything. They hear, you know, what their parents are talking about, mm -hmm. and they watch the news because their parents are watching the news. And so all of a sudden they see their their school teacher, you know, on the 5 o'clock news, and they're like, you know, that's Miss King. Oh, yeah. My kids had a fit. Like, they had the hardest time understanding and I remember after the situation, I had to go in there, and it was like, well, Miss King, we don't understand why. Well, what's going on? And I looked at them, and I had to tell them, you know how there are good teachers and there are bad teachers? Well, there are good officers and there are bad officers. And I had to simply explain it like that. Mm. All right, so we're in the studio today. We're talking with Breon King. She's an Austin school teacher, was an Austin school teacher, uh, that was dragged literally out of her vehicle by an Austin police officer. And this is a story that was sparked by, you know, it, it was sparked by that incident. And then HBO picked it up and did an HBO special called Traffic Stop. If you haven't, haven't had the opportunity to check it out, check it out. It's a good one. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Touré. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So we're on. We're, we have uh, Breon King inside the studio. And she was the Austin school teacher that was literally dragged out of her vehicle by an Austin police officer here in Austin, Texas. And Breon, uh, I want you to go back to this, you know, this faithful day. And, and tell us a little bit about what was going on. At first, I want you to start by telling me, you know, where were you going that day? Okay, so um, at the time I was getting my master's in uh, at Texas State in education. So I was coming from a program with working with kids where they, um, they actually got the opportunity to enhance their learning skills through uh, actual physical activities and everything like that. And then I was on my way to an enrichment camp for summer school afterwards um so that's uh, where i was working at the time so um while i was on my way there i can go through the whole story mm -hmm. um while i was on my way there i will always remember there was this big this was a red truck that just sped past me he was going further he was going in front of me and i remember i was like okay well okay well i'm driving okay i'm speeding okay oh this is red truck oh he's speeding really fast so i pull over and i pull into the wendy's and I get out of my car. Behind me is um, Richter. And he tells me to get back in my car. And you were going to Wendy's, you were going to get something to eat? Yes, sir. I was about to pick up something to eat. So I get out of the car. He tells me to get back in my car. I was like, okay. Um, I comply. I get into my car and everything like that. He asked me for my license and registration. I reach underneath my seat because that's where I keep my wallet. And I handed him everything that I needed. Because he said, uh, he he said well, it. you didn't have your wallet on you, so well, how are you going to get something from Wendy's? Mm-hmm. And so I always keep cash on me, and I always keep my card on me. So... And you had that separate? Mm-hmm. I keep it separate. Okay. So 
after that, he uh, he tells me to put my legs in the vehicle, but my legs are in the vehicle. And so I didn't understand what was going on. So That's that one of those things, you know, um, <laughs> I want you to do something, but you're already doing it, but yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. Exactly. So gotcha. I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> and then after that, he proceeded to, you know, tell me that I was under arrest. Mind you, I don't know everything that is going on. This stuff is going quickly. So I know for a fact that in my head, I'm thinking, what's your badge number? What's your name? Um, where's the second officer? Because they said, you know, now the law was supposed to have, you're supposed to have like two officers whenever you get pulled over or something like that. Uh, where's your partner? You don't have a partner. And that's all I could think of at the time. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, are you serious? And so he started trying, he started pulling me out of the vehicle and I said, okay, just let me get out. Just please, just let me get out. I'll get out. And he would not let me get out by myself. And from there, he he proceeded to sling me around like a rag doll, um, mm. throwing me to and fro. And for me, it was genuinely an out-of-body experience because I was sitting there literally watching myself get thrown. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this seriously happening to me? I know on the tape you can hear me saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, because I literally was praying the whole time because I thought I was going to lose my life. Because I'm sitting there watching myself as this person is throwing me around. And so from there, um, when I get uh, with everything finally, I guess, slowed down, he took and he had me in handcuffs. And while he was walking me to the car, he has my hands pushed up all the way behind my back, above my, kind of past my shoulders. And I was just like, by that time, the other officer came in. And I was like, oh, my God, this really hurts. I said, do you see what he's doing to me? And to go back a little bit, you know, when a person, you know, you're being slung around like that and slung on the ground and pushed to the ground, your automatic, you know, response is to, well, I don't want my face, face. to hit the ground. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to protect my face. I don't want my face to, you know, be scratched and rubbed on the ground. So you're trying to pick yourself up while, mm -hmm. you know, it's an automatic response while yes. someone's shoving you down like mm -hmm. that. And then, and then, like, your arms being held above your head, it's an automatic response to try to pull down because that hurts. Yes. It's not normal. Yes, exactly. And I remember I was just like, just please let me put my hands behind my back. I was trying to do exactly what he asked me to do, but he refused to let me do it. And that's what the issue is. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So he puts me in the uh, vehicle and everything like that, and... um. I have nothing to hide. So the officer was like, oh, we need to search your vehicle. I said, oh, anybody can search my vehicle, just not him. <laughs> and so I remember officer went over there to him and everything like that and specifically told him, hey, you know, we need to search a vehicle. And he refused to allow anybody else to search my vehicle. He was in there throwing my stuff around, ripping up my uh, cushions in my car and everything like that. And I was just, I'm a firm believer in energy. And I didn't want his energy in my vehicle because we already, already experienced that situation, and then now, once I'm done with going through this, your spirit and your energy is going to linger in my car. And I don't care. Please, check the vehicle. It is okay. But just don't allow him to. And he refused to allow the other officers who asked him to search the vehicle. He refused to allow them to search the vehicle. And while I was in the car, this tow truck guy came up. He looks at him and says, oh, you again? Oh, wow. And I said, oh, okay. Oh, wow. So this is not the first time. Very good. So um, during that time, I asked to go ahead and speak to, uh, to be able to ride with an, another officer. Thank God that they, they said normally we don't allow this to happen, but they allowed me to get into 
the other vehicle uh, with uh, Sprawl, uh, Sprawl, Spradley. There it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with Officer Spratley. So, they allowed me to actually get in the vehicle with him, which, you know, was a blessing within itself because you just never know. Right. You just never know. And um, from there, I just wanted to understand why. I've always been a person who has the desire to understand why and what's going on. So, I just asked him different questions. You know, I was like, well, I don't understand, you know, what's going on. Why is this happening? And... Uh, he proceeded to tell me that 99% of black people have violent tendencies. Ooh. Mm. And I was, all I c- when I heard that, <laughs> I was floored. I was like, whoa, this is a mentality. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, it's a mentality. It really is. Uh, you know, you're dealing with the public, you know, and I deal with the public all the time. You know, I, honestly, I have bad days. I get upset and I have to stop and think, okay, you know, I'm having a really rough day today. Let me just, you know, unwind. Let me chill for a few minutes and then come back at it again, you know, because yeah. I'm having a bad day. And what I do, what I say is going to be reflected upon my employees. They're going to feel, they're going to get upset and angry and, and it's just going to build in the office. I said, okay, so let me calm down because it, it's just going to rub off on them. So let me go back, you know, let me chill out for a little bit and let's come back and, Hey, how are you doing? How's everyone doing today? You know, and try to yes. change it a little bit. Yes. And so this is a mentality because for someone to say something like that, you know, and, and to say it as calm as he said it and as comfortable as he said it, you know, I was, I, that actually, that hurt me a little bit. That really hurt. It was very disappointing. Daddy, you got something you're dying to say. Um, <laughs> well, I watched the video several times. Um, to the point of where it turned, where he turned violent. And um, I'm glad that you cleared that up because he said, please put your your legs in the vehicle so I can close the door. And then he said it again. I couldn't see that your legs were out. I mean, you couldn't see that vantage point. So I'm glad that you said you were already, so you're like, what are you talking about? But I did notice that you asked him if he could hurry up. And then he took that as an, insult to himself and then instead of telling you to go in the vehicle so he could close the car door then he demanded that you got out and and so it was because he felt disrespected and you Mm -hmm. didn't do anything aggressive or anything but he wasn't he didn't want to hear that from you but um i've i've been pulled over a few times but i didn't really do anything wrong was for little things but so i've never been in that situation but my husband whenever because he's Feeds a lot. He's got pulled over. (laughs) (laughs) He, so he's, and I asked him, where did you learn how to do this? But he takes his keys out of the car. Mm -hmm. He puts them on the dash Mm -hmm. and he puts his hands on the, the steering wheel. And he says, you don't argue with them. You just say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. And so, because he, he, he had friends that like to speed a lot with their souped up, you know, 65 Mustangs and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so they get pulled over a lot. So, but that's what he's like, you have to do that. It doesn't matter if you're at fault or you think you did anything wrong. That's what you have to do to survive. And mm-hmm. it's frightening that you that you have to do that and because it's basically this officer didn't want any lip from you. Mm-hmm. And that and he was like, Who's this person talking to me this way? And then he says, Get out of the car and then he proceeds to go in there and grab you. He didn't even allow you the time to get out. And And this is mind you a traffic stop for a simple speeding ticket. Yeah, and that's all this is—a speeding ticket. And when I was watching the video, I'm like, I don't. Your car was not even visible for so long, and I didn't even hear the sirens on until you were like in the turn lane going to turn. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, 
that video, you couldn't tell that he was pulling over anyone for a traffic spot. So I'm wondering, how could she, she may not even heard those sirens. And even if you heard them, unless you have time, if you're turning, you're not going to be looking in your rear view mirror to see, are they, is that me? You know, are they trying to pull me over? And see, I'm a Mm -hmm. a body language guy. You know, I read a person's body body language and you can tell by Breon's body language that she had no idea. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know you're back there. Oh, wow. Lights. Oh, you're pulling me over. You know, it was totally shock, you know, yes. is what, what it looked to me. Yeah. So I, he, it was just a complete overreaction. Now, I, you know, it did look, you know, it was, I've never been slammed down on the ground like that. So I don't know how it would react, but it was like he was just giving you commands, but not giving you enough time to, you know, follow them or follow them in the way he wanted you to follow them. And, Yes, ma'am. You know, yes, I mean, I know correct. sometimes, you know, they are in dangerous situations and police face situations, but it's like you have to, you know, like mm-hmm. they said, 112-pound woman, what, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I understand that because my sorority sister, my LS, the one I consider my sister, she's an officer. And so I know that I pray for her every day because people say I can't do that job, but I don't want to do their job either, you know, and— it's just about reaching better understandings and everything like that. And it was a communication issue and sometimes a power issue as well. Mm-hmm. All right, we come back. We're going to come back with Breon King, the Austin school teacher that was literally dragged out of her vehicle by an Austin police officer. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> And I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're in the studio with with with, with Breon King. She's a school teacher in Austin, Texas, and she was literally dragged out of her vehicle uh, by an Austin police officer. And so she's going through this story and telling us what happened that you know that fateful day. And I, I tell you, it's man, it's it's a crazy story. And I want Breon to go back and kind of recap. Uh, so you were driving somewhere that particular day. You end up pulling into Wendy's, right? Yes, sir. All right to get something to eat and. What happened from there? I want you to recap real quick for those people um, that just joined us. So from there, um, Richter pulled behind me, um, put on his lights. I got out. I was going to go get Wendy's. He came in, and um, he told me to get back in my car. I went ahead. I got back in my car. From there, he proceeded to <laughs> pull me out of the car, uh, sling me like a rag doll. And then from there, I was arrested, was put into the back of his car, and then I asked to be able to move to somebody else's vehicle, which was Spratley's. And from there, I was in Spratley's vehicle. And I went to, after that, I was at the precinct. Mm. And so while you're in back of that vehicle, you're driving, you're in, in the other officer's vehicle, driving to the Travis County Jail. Yes, sir. Okay. And so you started a conversation with the officer in the vehicle. And I'm wondering, the officer in the vehicle that you started a conversation with that actually said, you know, that, what did he say again? of black people have violent tendencies. And I'm just wondering, you know, did anything happen to him? No. 
<laughs> the million dollar question. Nothing, nothing, nothing happened to him. Um, he, I believe he's still working. You know? that's, a, that's a mentality. Yes, it's a mentality. So that means it's an overall APD issue. So I need to automatically think that if I'm pulled over by this guy, what's his last name again? Spratly. If I'm pulled over by this guy here, I need to automatically think that be, me being an African-American, a black male, I need to automatically be afraid of him. Exactly. That's pretty much pretty much what was trying to be instilled in me was that we are not going to be protected as a black people. That we have to fear for our lives pretty much because they already have a mindset that we have violent tendencies. When in all actuality, that is not the truth. Hmm. All right. And then so, all right, so you get to Travis County and, and anything happening while you're in Travis County Jail at all? Because that's so, a whole nother mindset in itself. And that's what people don't understand. You know, you're in, when you get your liberties removed from you, taken oh, away, yeah. you lose your freedom. And oh, you yeah. go into Travis County, you go into the jail. doesn't matter what county it is, but you go into the jail. That's a whole nother experience all by itself that people don't understand. And I try to teach people this um, when we, you know, do the handgun license course because, you know, if you do something, it doesn't matter if you're right, wrong, you get arrested, you go down to the jail, you're going to experience something you've never experienced before in your life. You're going to mm-hmm. lose your freedom. You're going to lose your rights, all of them, and your dignity. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I lost all the dignity. Um, I was, I mean, I was crying. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And one of the officers looks at me. He says, oh, you don't belong here. That was the first thing he said. So just him sitting there and him saying that to me was kind of like, oh, my God, he sees that I don't even belong here. And yet I'm still sitting here. So I'm thinking that I'm being here processed for a traffic stop. And I, I got in around like 1, 1 p.m. And I was sitting there and I ended up having to spend the night. They didn't even tell me what was going on. Um, I was so lost, confused in a daze. Like, because depending on what's going on, what time of day it is, if it's the weekend, you know, you may not see a judge, you may not get, you know, any any answers whatsoever? Um, it's hard to get that phone call. You know, all I'm telling mm-hmm. you right now, you're supposed to get your phone call, but it's not that easy. It is not that easy. It is not. And um, I spent. I ended up. I didn't get to see the officer, uh, the uh, the judge, until what maybe three o'clock in the morning, three a.m. And I had my uh, my best friend. By that time, I got to get in touch with her and her mother, and. Um, they were trying to figure out what was going on and they were calling, uh, trying to figure out what was going on because they knew they was like, oh, this is not Breon. They said, oh, no, Breon doesn't do this. And so at this point, so, you know, your family or someone knew that, you know, you were mm-hmm. in custody. They finally knew uh, they knew I was in custody. And um, so at 3 a.m., they uh, told me what was happening. One girl was sitting next to me because they, they heard me crying throughout the whole night. And they just the girls, I guess, that have been there consistently. And I told them what happened. They was like, oh, it's okay. You know, you're going to get out. It's okay. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And I'm just crying. Because you've never been in that predicament before. Never, ever. And they're just really trying to console me to make me feel better. And like I said, th- these girls have been locked up several times. And they're like, oh, you're going to get out. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And then they see me sitting in there with them. And they're like, well, why didn't she get out? And then a girl that... I guess came in with me. I remember we were sitting there and she kept holding my hand because I'm just crying. I couldn't stop crying because I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on, you know? 
And when they said um, how much it was for me to get released on bond, she said, oh, my God, what did you do? And I said, oh, my God, I don't know. You know, so we were just, both of us were just sitting there just lost because she was just like, she said, I thought you had a speaking. I said, I thought I had speaking too. Wow. You know, and so someone who has been there several times on several occasions had a bond that was less than mine mm. to get out. What did they end up charging you with? So they, uh, they ended up charging me with arrested for resisting arrest. And then, of course, um, my, uh, my best friend, she helped me to find a lawyer and I was able to get out the next afternoon. So I spent pretty much a whole day within that system. Oof. And see, that's that's why, you know, for my gun owners out there, that's why, you know, I push adamantly, you know, Texas and U.S. law shield. Because if, if something happens to you, you're in this type of situation where, for example, you have to use your firearm for self-defense, you know, Texas and U.S. law shield is there for you. Um, and it's very cheap, very inexpensive. And that's why I make sure that I have it. Everyone in my family has it. Um, and all of my employees have it, you know, because you find yourself in that situation. Only person you can call, you got access to is an attorney, but you got to have one to call one. Mm-hmm. Got to have a number. You do. <laughs> you got to know who to call. <laughs> yes, you do. You really do need to know who to call. All right. And so, uh, so now this, this happens and then you finally get out. So yes, I finally get out. Um, and my best friend, she gives me money to go, get my car towed. She gets me clothes to clean up because I literally, during the altercation, I peed on myself. Mm. That's how scared I was. And, you know, they uh, didn't give me a change of clothes or anything like that. And then at the time I was wearing my my school shirt and I was like, that's disrespectful. So the entire time that you're actually in Travis County custody, mm-hmm. you're in those clothes. Those clothes. No, they took me and they, of course, when we get back there, they won't let you have your okay. own clothes. So okay. I had to switch into different clothes. Okay. But during the time I was sitting there, before they finally took us back, I was sitting in those clothes. In sold clothes. Yes. Wow. Um, oh, yes. And um, so my best friend, she came and she got me and she got me some, uh, she gave me some money to, in order to go get my car towed and uh, I get out of the uh, company and she uh, stayed with me the whole time. We went to go, uh, I just moved <laughs> into my house so she went to go help me get my license and everything like that I still have that license today and people don't realize that was the day I came out she helped me take um, photos of my body the bruises and the markings on my arms and uh, the swelling in my knees and my wrist and I still have a scar on the side of my wrist that I always take and I look at and I always remember I can't forget you know and I have a tendency to try to repress memories in order to move forward and to move on. But for this situation, I couldn't do it because I knew that there was something bigger that I had to do. I had to protect my kids. Mm. I couldn't, after what the officer said to me and then what that officer did, the former officer did to me, I knew that I had to say something. I didn't know how. I didn't know when I didn't know who to talk to, but I knew that what I went through was not okay. And the fact that the tow truck guy said, oh, you again? Um, um, Richter was out there laughing and he thought it was funny while I'm going through this. And I was like, he goes home to his family mm. and look at me. 
What about me? Oh, well, he has a lot of paperwork and stuff to do. That man still went home to his family and he still had a great day. He still had a whole great year until he turned around and kicked that young man in his face. Mm. And then lied about that too. Mm. So it hurt my soul because, you know, they finally, they, it was like, oh, well, you know, we're going to talk to you to speak to the DA and everything like that. And the woman asked me, she was like, well, how come you didn't go limp? And I told her, I believe I was limp enough when I was in that air. You know? And it's easy to say that when you're not in that, you know, in that position because a person grabs you, they sling you around, push you down to the ground. It, it's hard for people to understand the natural, the natural movement of a person is to try to keep your face from hitting the ground. Uh, and and it's, it's hard to explain, but uh, you, know, you, you kind of have to put people in that situation and then they'll, they'll understand. understand. But once you hit that ground, especially if your head hits that ground, there's far worse issues that could happen to you. Yes. I could have been dead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I was wondering what happened to the disposition of your case, um, you know, with the the arrest. And is that still on your record that follows you? Oh, so um, they said that it should, um, they said it should have been expunged. But I just literally got a background check to go do preschool. And they sent me my background check and it's still on there. So they did drop the charges? They Oh, they uh, dropped the charges um, day one. Like as soon as it was put in, they literally dropped the charges um, with my first lawyer. And then with my second lawyer, uh, she worked me uh, through getting just through the civil suit in order for us to actually try to make a change within the system in order to start protecting more people. Because why, why did it take you a year to like come forward? I was speaking to the wrong people. I was talking to the wrong people. So it wasn't that I didn't come forward. I was just talking to the wrong people. And I didn't know who to get in contact with. I didn't know who to get in touch with. And then I finally, I was blessed to find my lawyer, Erica. And from that point on, she was the one who was able to help me to get the message out and to support, to be able to start making the changes within the system or hopefully within the system that needs to stay consistent in order to protect and serve the community. We're talking with Breon King. She's the Austin school teacher. We're talking about the HBO special Traffic Stop. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. We have Breon King inside the studio. She sparked the HBO special Traffic Stop. And, you know, we're talking about getting getting put in the system like that. You're getting charged with something. The way the system is really designed is designed so that if you're charged with a crime, you know, if you don't have money to afford an attorney, then guess what? You know, you're going to be stuck with it. You're going to be stuck with trying to plea your way out of something or you get stuck with a court-appointed attorney who's 
who has like a, a hundred and you know fifty thousand cases, they can't deal with you, and they're just going to negotiate whatever, and you're going to lose your rights. And by the time you realize what just happened, you just lost your rights forever. You know, you can be charged with a felony for all that. You know, for all I know, for something that you really didn't do. You know, or something that, that it's not warrant that high of a charge. So yeah, it's just it's just set up that way. It really is. Now you were talking about uh, before we went to break there. Um, uh, yeah, it took, you know, why it took a year. Some people said it took a year for you to come out and say something. Well, it really didn't take a year. No. Uh, no, it really, uh, it didn't take a year. I was doing my due diligence. Of course, I have to live life. I had to make sure that I was doing what I needed to do in order to get to where I needed to be and continue to be successful. And I had to worry about my kids. So I'm worrying about my students and I'm making sure that I'm taking care of my students and properly still educating my students all while looking for the right help because I didn't know the truth of the matter is I was naive and I didn't know where to find it and I didn't know where to begin. Now, what were some of the kids saying? So uh, after the situation, my kids were like, well, Miss King, you know, well, well, I don't understand. I don't understand what happened, you know, and I had to tell them, you know, that they're they're both, you know, how they're good teachers and they're bad teachers. And I'm going to be honest because I tell my they're raggedy teachers. (laughs) <laughs> and there are good teachers, you have raggedy cops, and you have good cops. Everybody's not good, and everybody's not bad, and sometimes we have bad moments. Right, right. Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you had something you wanted to say earlier? Did I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering how long it took you to get the video from the police camera so that you could start investigating and do your due diligence about, you know, not only just clearing your name, but also ensuring that this didn't happen to someone else. Um, so it was within a few weeks that uh, my first lawyer, he got me the video. And so me and my best friend, we watched it and I was still in awe and I was still in disbelief in what happened. So he had the video, he had access to the video and everything like that. So I spent that time getting those charges dropped and working on getting those charges dropped. And then after that, that's when I went into uh, looking for another lawyer because uh, I asked my lawyer at the time, I was like, well, can you, can you help me, you know, figure out what I need to do in order to get the system changed? He's like, oh, well, you need a civil lawyer. <laughs> and of course, I didn't know where to find a civil lawyer, so... You know, I was looking and I was searching and then I finally found Erica. I finally found her. So then did you, so have you sued the city or you were suing the officer personally? It was, um, what ended up happening, it was the city, uh, the city of Austin, because they're the ones who train Mm -hmm. APD. And this has been something that has consistently apparently been going on for a while, especially from that officer specifically. Yeah, I read that Officer Richter had arrested 34 people for resisting arrest before he lost his job. And I don't know the averages, but that sounds like uh, a good amount of people there. Yes, they uh, they said that it was at least uh, some officers have been on uh, site 10 years longer than him, and they didn't even have that many arrests. So his was kind of... He had a lot more than everybody else. So it should have been a red flag. So it sounds like he's got a short fuse there. Yeah. Yes. And then, like, um, I know there were a lot of videos that came out about him, too, afterwards, too. Like, just showing the different things that he did. So it was just kind of interesting how they kind of sat there, watched all those videos. And, you know, it, it, of course, goes through 
so many different people and so many different people pretty much felt like it was okay. So that means there is an issue within the system because the people see, those people saw what he has done and they never, they never thought to, hey, you know, this is a little red flag. What do we need to do? Hey, what's going on? They never even thought maybe he needs a little help. Maybe he has PTSD. Maybe he has some anger issues. They never thought to get and seek any help for him professionally. Give him some professional development classes. Give him some anger management classes. You know, give him some counseling. Because you would think after that incident, after yours, there should have been some counseling or something involved. Exactly. An evaluation. Exactly. And that is what I specifically asked for. I said, you, you would know, think when the city help. gets sued for, you know, like almost a million dollars, you know, you would think you would have the officer go through some type of middle eval. Exactly. Or, or therapy. Exactly. If you're not going to fire the officer. Exactly. And I mean, all I'm, I'm just saying. That's the truth. And all that was asked was just, just get him some help. Get them some anger management. Get them some therapy. And, so, and they don't want to do that. So if you're yeah, media, if you're out there, you're listening, you know, I'm just curious. That's that's a media story. Out of all the lawsuits that have been filed against the city of Austin by police officers uh, doing whatever, and the city has settled these cases and paid whatever money they paid out, how many of the, and those officers still on the force, how many of those officers actually went through some type of counseling or mental eval or something after that case was settled because the city basically said, OK, we were in the wrong. You know, we're not you know, we, we're at fault here. So we're going to go ahead and pay this this money out. I'm just curious. Yeah, well, you'd think it'd be to their benefit to get the officer counseling, not even if a lawsuit is filed, but if charges are dropped and it's and it's found to be insufficient what the the person was arrested for yes. that officer should go through counseling of like here this is what this is how it should be handled to not only protect future um, citizens but also to improve and help uh, develop that officer and make sure that you know that they go forward in their career in the right direction and it just yes. helps everyone but to ignore a problem it's not the right way to handle it Exactly. And then, so what are some things you would like to change in the system? What I would like to change is um, I, I feel like they need better de-escalation practices. Um, I feel like they need help. They need mental help. You know, they're going out there doing some things that, like I said, I can't do it. I can't see it. I, don't, I can't watch people. You know, I, 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 I can't do it. I'm telling you all that right now. That I would not be able to do that job. And they need help and they need support. So why aren't we giving them counseling? Why aren't we getting them uh, mental uh, days? Why aren't we making sure that they're being taken care of? Why are we having them work overtime and, you know, they're exhausted? You know, why aren't we getting them the proper training? Why aren't we teaching them de-escalation practices? Why aren't we teaching them different things about self-love? You know, because sometimes a lot of the issues arise when you want to be power hungry or you're angry is because you have issues within your own self. Mm. So why aren't you doing anything to take care of the person as a whole? Because if you take care of the person as a whole, then a lot of those other things can be alleviated. I wonder how much um, of the issue with them not doing some of these things comes down to financial reasons. Mm. Because I know that's always an issue. Um, the police department is generally the the largest percentage of a city's budget. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how much the leaders of the city are willing to invest in certain things. And um, so that's also, you know, so maybe that issue should be brought 
to city council and the mayor about you need to prioritize the mental health of your officers and to get them counseling and training about how to handle these issues to make sure because the officers are there to protect and serve the community. Exactly. And and that's so those are the kinds of things that going forward is making sure there's money in the budget for that. Mm-hmm. And that's the leadership of the city to make sure, as well as the chief, to advocate for that, to recognize that there's a problem and then advocate for the money to do that. Yeah, because exactly. they do sit money aside for lawsuits. Exactly. And it's true. They really, someone, yeah. Instead of that money for lawsuits, put a little bit for, towards prevention, right? Exactly. Cri- crime prevention should be the focus. Like, be proactive before you have to be reactive. You know, do you want to have to pay somebody this amount of money versus you paying into your officers? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're putting into their, their long term because that means they'll be able to actually stay there longer. And that means you have a better support system and your, return, your a retention rate is so much better. And so there's a lot less confusion whenever you can retain more officers than having to mm-hmm. kind of keep recycling and getting new and yeah. throwing well, the other ones out. I just see a lot of short-term versus long-term politics come into some of these decisions, unfortunately. And so tell us, Brianna, what are you doing now? So right now I am I am substituting with preschoolers, and it is amazing. <laughs> it's, uh, that has been a blessing, too. They're, uh, they're so cute. They're so amazing. And then they're, they're so, their minds are like sponges, so they're— ready and willing to learn and just the simple things and that's beautiful and i'm still dancing with ashe arts collective nice 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 and i, I got a lot of ladies that are sending me uh, private messages uh, saying that uh you know you're you're awesome you know, you're <laughs> inspiration to women you know in austin and you know in in texas as well you know to experience something like that and to you know pick yourself up and kind of overcome that and try to change the system also you know, because it, it, it takes a lot, you know, to, you know, to to fight the system. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's it, important to, to shine a light. And even though I mean, it co- takes a lot of courage and bravery to put your your situation out there for public consumption, but to, to do it so that yes. other people's don't don't have to go through that same experience and that you could have a positive impact going forward in Austin and the police department and especially for for women and people of color to to not let someone get you down like that way and make you feel like it was your fault but to put the light back on them and shine it where they need to improve. Absolutely. Man, I, I tell you, Brian, thank, thank you very much for coming to the studio today. Appreciate that, especially on Super Bowl me. Sunday. <laughs> you know, because uh, anybody but New England—that's—that's—that's that's, that's what's getting ready to happen right now. We're minutes away from the Super Bowl, minutes away from kickoff. In anyone but New England, you know, so we can all come together and agree on that. Let yeah. me tell you, <laughs> at least from Texas, anyone but New England—that's who I'm rooting for. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 